You might have seen I posted our last episode last night, and it was called The Great Brown Hype, and it has uh, been more like The Great Brown Wipe, I think, <laughs> maybe, is maybe what the Browns have been more like this year. <laughs> That's and, funny. And so I literally made that up as I was saying the sentence, by the way. That so, was nice. Yeah, yeah. thanks. <laughs> Number nine in the National Football League as we welcome you to this. I didn't. I didn't even get the number. Is it four sixteen? Yeah. Oh, okay. Four hundred and sixteenth episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, Mike Jansen, and Mr. Chris Fluke with you. Um, in this first episode during the football season, we'll dedicate it to our week number nine NFL picks. Um, the week got off to a 50-50 start for Chris and I, uh, going back to Thursday's game between the Niners and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Chris and I both, the number that Chris had was uh, uh, San Francisco minus 10. Chris and I both took the 49ers. We won straight up, but we didn't do so well against the spread as the Cardinals played better than anybody had anticipated, especially me against that vaunted 49er defense, Kyler Murray. He's getting better every week, folks. There's no question about it. As much as we, we don't admit to being fans and as, as much as I can't stand Cliff Kingsbury and, and uh, the whole Arizona Cardinals organization in regard to the draft capital that they've spent the last couple of years on first-round draft picks, but for another day, San Francisco ended up winning what is it, 27-24 or 27-20-something? 28-25. 28-25, okay. 28-25, so obviously the Niners don't cover. So Chris and I start out the week one and one. And I do need to send out uh, uh, a mistake that I made uh, listening on my walks over Southwest Calgary the last couple of days, listening to our episodes last week. I had said that I believe that Atlanta coach uh, Gus Bradley was about to get fired. It's not Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley at one time was working with now Atlanta head coach Dan Quinn. And that's the guy who I said should have been the one that I think is going to get fired. And I still think, I don't think Dan Quinn is going to make it through the rest of the year. But the connection and why I kept getting Gus Bradley in my mind, Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn at one time were both on Pete Carroll's staff in Seattle. Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator he left Seattle to go become the head coach at the time of the Jacksonville Jaguars. When he left to take the job with the Jaguars, Dan Quinn became the defensive coordinator in Seattle before he left to go take the job as the head coach in Atlanta with the Falcons. So I apologize for my error, but I still believe that the current coach, whoever it is, it can be Norm Van Brocklin for all I care. And if you don't know, Norm Van Brocklin was the original coach of the expansion Atlanta Falcons in 1965, the former Eagle great. Norm Van Brocklin was the head, first head coach in Atlanta Falcons history. We still have uh, him showing up on our screens every Sunday whenever they talk about the single-game yardage Correct. record. Yeah. Norm Van Brocklin with 554 yeah. yards in one game. That's right. Nearly broken a number of times the last few years, but yep. not quite. So he still sits there. The game was from 1951, I think. Something like that. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I I, I wasn't even born then. <laughs> but uh, but actually, in fairness, Dan Quinn and Gus Bradley, in, in, in addition to their other similarities in both being with Atlanta and everything, they kind well, Seattle. of Seattle. Uh, 
Oh yeah, sorry, both of Seattle. Sorry, they uh, they kind of look similar. That they do. So Absolutely, I, I, I get the mistake. They no both problem. are also going to be soon to be first time NFL head coaches that get the pink slip. I really believe that Dan Quinn's days are numbered in Atlanta, but. We'll get to the Falcons later. In fact, it'll be way later because Atlanta is one of four teams on a bye week this week. The Falcons, the Bengals, the Rams, and the New Orleans Saints are enjoying week number nine off. So let's get to the Sunday games that that are uh, scheduled to be played, and we'll start in London. Um, I'm not even going to get into the London crap. I'm so sick of Thursday night football games and London games that it just makes me physically ill. So I'm not even going to talk about it. Houston and Jacksonville in London. Um, Houston comes in as 1.5, one and a half point favorites in this football game. Um, still don't have a real good read on Houston. They're also going to play the rest of the year without JJ Watt. Um, I love Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, but for some reason, Jacksonville, because of their familiarity, because they do this at least once a year, or they only do it once a year. You only need to go to London once. Um, but for some reason, and I again, I don't know. I like, I like uh, Minshew. Uh, I do think that Nick Folds will be back soon, but uh, for a lot of different reasons. And the biggest one is I still don't trust Butchin and the Houston uh, Texans. Um, I'm taking the Jaguars in this football game both ways. This might be the hardest game of the it week. Was dif- it was difficult, honestly. Yeah. Like this game is hard mm-hmm. and. And since it's an early game, our buddy Greg and I uh, don't bet on it because we only bet on the games that start at 11 mm-hmm. Mountain Time. So I haven't even studied it as much as I do most of them. The reason to take Jacksonville would be because they are uh, very, very used to going to London. That's old hat for them right now. Uh, Houston I like better as a team, although losing J.J. Watt is a big, big loss for the year there. So that's a tough one. So I think that's going to be a, a really nice thing for Leonard Fournette there. Boy, this is just an absolute coin flip. I like Houston slightly better as a team, but I think for this week, I'll just say, okay, let's say that Jacksonville uh, you know, knows how to do London better than anyone else. So I'm going to kind of reluctantly take Jacksonville both ways because I just don't know. What was your spread again? One and a half, one and Houston. A half. If there was a wider spread, I would take one and one. But... Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's that was what, what was kind of my determining yeah. factor was that with the number being only one and a hook, I figured that the Jaguars are good. You know, this is their home away from home. So I just think that that, for me, was the deciding factor in yeah. taking the Jaguars both ways. Sure, me too. Um, next one is we're going to Buffalo, um, home of the Bills. Washington Redskins at Buffalo, a replay of... Well, I don't know what. It was the 92 Super Bowl, I believe. 91 Super Bowl, I believe. Uh, Mark Rippon against Jim Kelly. Um, Buffalo comes into this game as 9.5-point favorites. There are no redeeming qualities about the Washington Redskins anymore. They have really mucked up the relationship with their all-pro left tackle, Trent Williams. Now he does finally report, but then they put him on the physically unable to perform list because of the thing on his head and and it's cancerous and it's it you know what I don't mean to make a joke I really don't but you know what I'm starting to think that the Washington Redskins team doctors went to the same university as the New Orleans Saints team's doctors where they can't figure out the difference between a contusion and a broken leg um I don't know what's going on in Washington I really don't care all I do know is that they have let a lot and we've made this quite clear before but they have let a lot of great coaching talent out the front door. 
We've 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 documented Kyle Shanahan, Mr. Mc, John McVay, uh, Matt Lafleur now, what he's doing in Green Bay. Regardless of all that, Buffalo wins this one in my estimation both ways. Again, straight up and against the spread. I just Washington has no redeeming qualities. They're playing for the number two overall pick in next April's draft, and even if they get it, they'll screw it up. This is a tough one too, actually, because for me, and I know Washington's looked bad this year, but they've shown some signs of life. They've covered the last couple spreads. This is true. They covered us. They became the first team in forever to cover a sped while getting shut out. Oh, I just thought of something. Yeah. This is Dwight or Dwayne Haskins' first start. Yes, it is. Which will be very difficult against that Buffalo exactly. defense. Exactly. He has to go on the road against that defense, and that's what I was going to say too. And uh, he's a great prospect, but he's very raw, and he needs a lot of coaching up at this point. And he hasn't looked good. The last game he played, he looked really, really bad. Although, in fairness, he wasn't prepared to start Correct. that game. He had to come right. in in relief. But, yeah, and going on the road against a great defense. I, when I thought that Case Keenum was going to play, who I know he's just average, but he's serviceable. Yep. And when I thought Trent Williams was going to play, and in addition to Trent Williams, I know he can't play this week now, but the rest of their O-line, which isn't a bad O-line, is all healthy. They're all fine now. Mm-hmm. There's nobody uh, hurt on that line right now. And I thought Darius Geis might come back this week, but mm-hmm. he's not. So with all this stuff happening and Buffalo looking a bit shaky lately, I thought this might be a great chance for the upset. And I'm still not completely ruling it out. So, um, But it's just I don't like a lot of these things that are happening here. But uh, Buffalo's offense uh, has not looked great. Maybe more specifically, Josh Allen hasn't been great. Fair enough. They're no. also relying on Frank Gore over Devin Singletary, which makes no sense at all in 2019. No. So I am going to take the Bills to win, but I am going to take the Redskins with the points. Well, you're usually smarter than I am <laughs> on most topics, so I'd probably be smart. Oh, I'm to not do claiming the, to be smart on that. I, one. I would probably smart to do the same thing but i just don't get the warm and fuzzies from the washington redskins and and yes i i I would agree with you that they have been playing better football under bill callahan than they did under gruden's brother they did yeah they are are. but there just is such a lack of talent there i just can't quite and i wish we were getting 10 nine and a half that's a bit frustrating but uh yeah i'm gonna gonna try i'm gonna try it Minnesota, Kansas City is where we're going next. And obviously, uh, before we even go on, the word out of Kansas City, and Chris just let me know that um, Mahomes has been given the designation of questionable, but Chris just informed me that it's highly unlikely that he will see the field with that dislocated right knee. So then you have Matt Moore versus uh, Kirk Cousins. So that should be worth a couple of hours of sleep for you. But I gotta give I gotta give more credit for a guy who hadn't played in a couple of years and coming off of a being the coach of a high school team. I yeah, thought he, he retired, did. Yeah. I thought he did very well last week yeah, against Green Bay. Put up twenty seven point whatever it was, um, twenty four points whatever doesn't matter. Uh, Kansas City doesn't quit. Um, I, I just I I don't know. I just I think Minnesota's defense is better than Green Bay's. And if they don't have to face Mahomes, can Matt Moore be that productive two weeks in a row? And again, he'll be facing a better defense uh, versus the Vikings than he would be against my Packers. So the number that I have here is Minnesota at 2.5. Um, I, I This pains me to say, but because of Mahomes' injury and you know, last week, um, the first start if you will without Mahomes taking snaps under center you're all pumped up you're on Sunday night football Al and Chris are in the studio I mean there's a lot of redeeming factors here a replay of 
Super Bowl number one. This happens to be a rematch of Super Super Bowl number four, Minnesota versus Kansas City, won by the uh, Chiefs, twenty-three to seven back in nineteen seventy seventy or seventy-one. But anyway, I'm taking the Vikings both ways. I don't know why it pains me to say it, but I just think the Vikings have a little bit more to get up and beat a still banged up Kansas City Chiefs team. Well, I'm definitely taking the Vikings both ways, and this is one of the three easiest games of the week, as far as I'm concerned, as long as Mahomes doesn't play. Interesting thing with Mahomes, number one, he said that last week he would have played if it was a playoff game. Mm -hmm. Last week, not even this week. And number two, they said that medically they were looking at it. In addition to what a freak of nature he is as just a young quarterback coming in, winning the MVP as a rookie, and he's how amazing he is, even physically... It's amazing. So the reason that his knee isn't as bad as everyone thought, where they thought best case scenario for this injury is three weeks. Absolute best case, and probably way more than that. Uh, and then he was like one or two almost could have been. Apparently, it's it's not that his knee is necessarily double-jointed, but it's a similar thing where his ligaments are very loose so they can handle a lot of extra stress. And so he's got these great genetics in his knees So even. did that allow them to pop it right back on the field that night, pop the knee back in? Was that part of the reason maybe well what they said was specifically uh between his his special genetics and the fact that he did not move at all mm-hmm. uh those two things combined to make it so that it was really set up for a nice quick recovery so the guy's a freak of nature and he's amazing even if he did play in this game i think that he wouldn't be fully mobile oh, for sure and when we saw the last time he wasn't fully mobile he just wasn't the same he needs that whole sort of total package there so minnesota has been playing great lately honestly and uh, I, I like them both ways for sure this week. It's not even a question for me. I have a question for you. Do you think Andy Reid, once Mahomes does come back, do you think Andy Reid calls a quarterback sneak again? <laughs> well, I hope not. But Andy Reid, I think, is the type that will just, uh, he will do what he thinks is the winning play. And uh, I think I don't think he would shy away from that, honestly. Uh, you're probably right. But um, again, I just... I just questioned that call. And again, and I also made mention during a previous episode of Unscripted that nine out of time, nine, nine out of 10 times, it works fine. Sure, yeah. Um, let's go on. A game in the AFC least that used to really be a, used to be a really a big game was always the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. A lot of New Yorkers, of course, in their old age go down to, to uh, live out their remaining days down in in Miami or in the state of Florida. So there's a lot of connectivity in regard to Jets, Dolphins, but there's a lot of fans, Jets fans, that make the trip to Miami because, well, they live there now. Um, This was was a hard game for me. Yeah, no, it is. And and the reason was is because a couple weeks ago, the Jets looked like they're getting their stuff together. They beat the Cowboys uh, in the Meadowlands. And then, you know, obviously they got their asses kicked the next week against New England. But that's the thing with New York right now. I don't think that Sam Darnold is still 100% back from the mononucleosis. Obviously, their defense is really missing a key integral part with the injury to C.J. Mosley that looks like now it could be longer term than anybody ever thought. The groin, to me, sounds like it could be one of those sports hernia things that we know years ago, Donovan McNabb, when he was the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, cost him almost a whole season because of his sports hernia injury. So I I don't know what's going on there. What I do know is that we've been poo-pooing and making fun of and laughing a lot at the expense of the Miami Dolphins, but I saw them for about the first half against Pittsburgh on Monday night. And Pittsburgh is not a nothing like they used to be, but yet Miami, 
I got to be able to say this honestly, and I think I can now, they haven't quit on Brian Flores. And a lot of that, I think, is attributable to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick is the ultimate pro. Um, he is not going to allow them to quit, whereas I think your whipping boy, Josh Rosen, doesn't give a damn. So he'll just take the play call and try to execute it the worst that he possibly can. I have no real redeeming quality feelings about Josh Rosen. Um, but anyway, long story short, this is a game in Miami. The Jets come in as three-point favorites. I have the Jets winning this one straight up, but you know what? I did this a couple weeks ago and won with the Dolphins in Buffalo. I'm doing it this week again with the Dolphins in Miami. I'm going to have the Dolphins against the spread. So the spread is an even three. Three. Three, not three and a half. Three. Not three and a hook. I'm I know going... some, 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 my most places added a three, but I saw some are three and a half. Boy, this is a tough one because, yeah, I mean, most weeks I would just say, oh, well, Miami's not even trying, so who cares? But, yeah, in the first quarter, they were up 14-0. Right. They were moving the ball effortlessly on the road against a good defense. Yep. And then it's almost like then the conspiracy theories come out and it's like, oh, did they, like, were they We're told? doing too good. Yeah, Stop we're it. accidentally doing too well, <laughs> you know. So I don't, because the Bengals, uh, you know, could use a quarterback. So other than this Ryan Finley, who's going to start from now on, mm-hmm. who has looked amazing in the preseason, uh, I could see him being the real deal. And they maybe then the Bengals go after Chase Young. But uh, I, if they have the choice, I mean, they might take Tua over Herbert. And I know the Dolphins would rather have Tua. So they want to maintain their draft position and keep losing, but man, this is just a this is a tough game because I the Jets are so vulnerable. You know, Darnold's head isn't right and his body isn't right. He's got a thumb injury to his non-throwing hand. Uh, Ryan Khalil is out this week, their center who uh, you know came out of retirement for them after being with the Panthers, and so that's a problem. Mosley, of course, is out for another five or six weeks where they figure out their stuff. This is a really hard game. And I think this is a week where a lot of people will bet on Miami to try and pull the upset or cover the spread. Uh, I don't know. So I am just going to assume that the Jets are still going to try and blow it. And uh, I will I will take the Jets both ways here. But man, this is a this this there's too many variables and too much a question about motivation before you even get to all the factors. So I mean, I would just probably recommend that people don't bet on this game. Yeah, that's probably the best. That's probably the best advice we could give anybody right now. The next game we're going to in the city of brotherly love, Lincoln Ford or Ford, whatever. Lincoln, Lincoln Financial, Financial Field. Field in Philly is what I was trying to say. Ford Field in Detroit. <clears throat> this I would have to uh, title this game as the disappointment bowl so far of the 2019-2020 NFL season. And the reason I say that is. Chicago and Philadelphia are two teams that had aspirations at the beginning of the season of competing for a trip to the Super Bowl, and I had actually picked the Eagles to represent and then win Super Bowl 50-whatever-it-is this year, and Philly's at 4-4, Chicago is at whatever they are. They're not playing very well. Trubisky sucks at quarterback. Uh, A lot of things not happen in Chicago. That defense they found is maybe not quite as as, uh, tough as it was in Chicago. I, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons for this game and the way I'm picking it. Philly comes in as the homestanding team with a uh, 4.5. They come in as four and a hook point favorites. Um, I, I This was a tough game for me for the simple fact that you just don't know which team is going to show up. Is it is the Eagles team that's going to show up as a desperate team in Green Bay in week four and they go in and beat the Packers on Thursday night? Or do the Bears come into Philly and do what the Lions did to Philly about that same time frame, four or five weeks ago when 
the Lions stole one from the Eagles in Philly. I really don't know, but what I'm going to choose and what I'm going to pick today is I'm going the Eagles straight up at home, but I'm taking the Bears against the spread. I'm going to do the same thing, and uh, I know it's not free form Friday yet, and I had this for this, but I thought it's relevant now because... You know, there's definitely a weak link, shall we say, to the Chicago Bears right yeah, now. For sure. So I don't know if this tweet is worded that great, but basically there's a there's a place, it must be an online sports book, I think. It's called Points Bet Sportsbook at Points Bet USA. Yeah. And here's what they did for Halloween. They called it a trick and trick or treat uh good karma refund. What they did is they took everyone who bet on Mitchell Trubisky for MVP this year, and they gave them their money back. <laughs> I love that. Oh, when you funny. are so bad at your job... That you're getting a rebate. Th- that <laughs> people... That a sports book, a cold, heartless sports book that makes money off making people, you know, make stupid bets on stupid people and terrible teams and losing all their money. And that's what they always say builds all the casinos. You know, like they say, betting on Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather at boxing. (laughs) That's what builds the casinos. When you are so bad that all of a sudden a a sports book grows a conscience and can't take your money and just already has your money and they're going to get to keep it because there's no way you're getting it back unless they give it back and they do. If I'm Mitchell Trubisky, I just, at this point, it's like, I'm just going to go and, like, you know... Shoot myself. Sell insurance or something. Like, I mean, just... Wow. So, anyway, though, you never know what's going to happen with the Bears. Their O-line is underperforming, but they've got a great defense. And you're right, the disappointment bowl. Carson Wentz, really up and down. They have no secondary, but they have a good D-line and a good rushing game, and it's the Jordan Howard Revenge Bowl. And so, I could see either... The Eagles blowing them out, yeah. or the Bears keep this close. It's a tough one, but I like hedging my bets like you did there. But anyway, Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> it, you're not Deshaun Watson, and you're not Patrick Mahomes. Let's you're not even Bobby Douglas, buddy. Oh, geez, you're barely Josh Rosen at this point. <laughs> like, I mean, no, like, like I said last week, the NFL.com uh, has their power rankings of quarterbacks from 1 to 32, yeah. and they have Mitchell Trubisky dead last at number 32. I would have made him number 33. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next game. Um, Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has spent a lot of time at home so far this year. Hasn't helped them much. Um, I, I'm starting to really like the way Indianapolis is, is competing. They, you've heard Chris document it many times. Their offensive line has been outstanding and continues to be with guys like Costanzo and that, that guard from Miller from uh, Notre Dame. And, and uh, you know, that makes Ja'Cory Brissett a lot more effective when you have an offensive line like that in front of you. Pittsburgh, yes, they came back with the big second half last week, but it was against the Miami Dolphins. So let's not get too excited in Pittsburgh. There's a lot of problems in Pittsburgh. Indianapolis is visiting, but the Colts come in as one-point favorites, and that's enough for me. Um, Pittsburgh, plethora of problems. Supposedly, even this week at the trading deadline, the Pittsburgh Steelers supposedly contacted the New York Jets about reacquiring Le'Veon Bell. That's how desperate they've got. That's crazy. That's crazy. If you were going to do that, why didn't you just sign them two years ago? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Something's right. You know, Pittsburgh has won, has been one of these marquee franchises for a long time. Um, seven Super Bowls, one as an organization. They've been one of the, you know, they've been one of the, they're one of the big guys. 
And for some reason, the last couple of years, there's just something not been right. And if it was anybody, I think, if it's any other organization besides the Pittsburgh Steelers who for some reason just don't fire head coaches, Mike, Mike Tomlin would have been gone a long time ago, I believe, if it, doesn't, if it isn't under the current ownership of the Rooney family with their unbelievable devotion to head coaches. I'm taking the Colts both ways in this game. There's just there's the Colts are ascending while the Steelers are just middling and miring in mediocrity. Ooh, that's pretty good. I got to remember that one. Middling, miring, and mediocrity. Um, I like the Colts both ways. That was an easy one for me. Wow. Uh, in general, I like the Colts better, but this week I'm going to take the Steelers both ways. I love it when we don't agree. Yeah, and so. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is out for the Colts. True. Which is, I mean, normally a receiver, yep. even a top receiver out, I'm like, ah, oh, that's not as important as uh, most people think it is. But it's the opposite with the Colts and T.Y. Hilton because if you look at the stats, whenever T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, the Indianapolis Colts try to set a world record for most drops in a game. Every time. It's unbelievable. Right. They, they, It just shows how bad they are without him. It's like they're even worse when he leaves. They get more nervous or something. And, oh, we have to catch some balls and make our you know, earn our pay a little bit. And they're just so bad when he's not there to catch the ball. So I like Pittsburgh. Uh, they're at home and I think they're underrated. And originally they were the favorite, but then all the money started coming in on the Colts. And so, uh, and that, now that I think it might've evened off a bit now that uh, T.Y. Hilton is out, but uh, you know, and James Conner is out for the Steelers. That's, that's true. But Jalen Samuels, I think is quite underrated and very versatile and he's going to play and I think do well. So uh, you know, I'm I'm not super confident, but I think it's always right to uh, fade the public when you're in any doubt at all. So I'm going to go with the Steelers this week. Sounds good. Um, Tennessee at Carolina is where we're going next. Do you know where Cam Newton spent most of this week? Green Bay. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Absolutely, he was there for some brats, and he was there from he was there for for some uh, cheese curds and a lot of Miller High Life products. And which foot specialist? And was he which seeing? foot? He saw Dr. Robert Anderson, yes, the, sir. the uh the renowned foot specialist in Green Bay this week. It's funny, a town of a hundred thousand, and they've got one of the most renowned foot specialists in the world living and working, and he's actually on the Packers medical team. That's astounding to me. But regardless of that, Cam Newton is not healing properly. He went to see. Uh, Dr. Anderson this week to see what the problem is. It doesn't look like we're going to see Cam Newton next week in Green Bay as well because this foot just is not healing. I think Carolina comes back in a big way this week, folks. The the uh, Panthers come in as three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they come in guns a-blazing this week. They got embarrassed last week in San Francisco against a very good 49ers team. Kyle Allen finally tasted defeat the first time as an NFL starting quarterback. I think there's a lot of things pointing upward in this game because of just what happened last week in Santa Clara in regard, again, to the to the pounding that they took at the hands of the 49ers. I really believe, I don't know anything about Tennessee. You know how I feel about their coach. Ryan Tannehill's greatest quality is he's got a hot wife. Um, I just, I don't know. There's just something amiss. There's really something amiss in Tennessee. Um, they were they looked like they were going to be gangbusters early in the season. Kicked the snot out of the Cleveland Browns on week one, but it didn't hurt that the Browns committed 18 penalties. Regardless of all that, I think this week the Panthers are on a bit of a revenge tour before they go to Green Bay next week. 
I have the Panthers in this game both ways. I like the Panthers straight up and the Titans against the spread. I think it's going to be a close game. And it's a classic split in Vegas right now where the public is pounding the Panthers minus four or whatever. And the uh, Sharps are pounding the Titans plus four. So classic split there. So I'm just going to hedge my bets. It, it's a really tough game to analyze. I know we've said that a lot this week, but uh, man, it is a... This it's has a been really a tough, tough week. It's a really tough yeah. week. Yeah, It's absolutely. a really tough week. And... and uh, and, and you know it's a tough week when Chris thinks it's a tough week because Chris is so good at this and Greg and, and all the different things that they do on the weekends with these games. And this has been a tough week. I, I got, I, and, I've, and I've told you, up straight up, I've been up straight with all of you. I don't do a lot of the analysis like Chris and Greg and these guys do. I just do a lot of it on gut feel. This has been a tough week, and uh, it continues with this next game. Uh, we're going to the Oakland Coliseum. The Detroit Lions visit Oakland. This is Oakland's first home game in like two months. Um, I really believe Chucky's got him playing better. There's no question about it. There's no quitting them. Um, unfortunate the way things happened to them last week in Houston. They had a chance to win that game till the very end. Um, Oakland comes into this game as two-point favorites after their two-month road odyssey. Um, they're three and four, but realistically, I think Oakland could have won last week. I don't think they, they played Green Bay tough for three and a half quarters, but obviously that was the 158.3 game by Rodgers with the five touchdowns, and then he ran in for a sixth. Um, you're not going to beat anybody when you have a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers' uh, stratosphere throwing a 158.3 game. We're going to talk about that 158.3 crap later, but First home game in two months for the Raiders. The Raiders are, being, are playing better. They seem to like playing for Chucky. It's kind of an us-against-everybody-else mentality in Oakland in their last season in Oakland before they go to Vegas next year. Again, the Raiders come in as two-point favorites, and I'm taking the Raiders both ways. I haven't seen anything, sorry, but I haven't seen anything the last couple of weeks from the Detroit Lions that would make me build any confidence on picking them. Detroit still seems to be a little bit affected as to what happened to them in that Monday night game against Green Bay. They haven't recovered, and they haven't been the same since. Now I'm going to shut up. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I'm going to take Detroit both ways here. I think they need to bounce back a bit, and they uh, are much better than their record indicates, no matter what Bill Parcells used to say. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what did you think of Bill Parcells, by the way? I don't Loved know Parcells. Right. Did you? I really did. I, I think that... You know, he was he was kind of portrayed as this big, mean, nasty. I mean, he's he's a bigger version of Belichick. Belichick came from the Par Parcells tree, very similar, very well, uh, very detailed coach, very well prepared coach. You never really got now, was Parcells, in my opinion, the same coach at the end when he was with the Dallas Cowboys versus when he was first with the New England Patriots? No. When he was with the Patriots, and then his tenure with the Jets, I think he was one of the best in football. He won two Super Bowls as a coach of the Jets. And he really, outside of that very good defense led by Lawrence Taylor, I mean, he won a Super Bowl with Phil Simms and then won a Super Bowl with Jeff Hostetler at quarterback. So I have a lot of, a lot of props and a lot of, a lot of respect for Bill Parcells. But at the end, it looked like he didn't care anymore. And it was like he was just stealing money from Jerry Jones, which a lot of people have been doing since Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys in 1989. So I have great respect, but I have great respect for the 80s and 90s Bill Parcells, not the later in his career Bill Parcells. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I just wonder, because I just thought, I don't think we've ever talked about him before. So uh, I like Detroit. Uh, uh, the Oakland Raiders 
are probably going to be down their top two centers, yeah. which makes it tough. You have to really shuffle around the offensive line that can really throw stuff off there. And I'm expecting both a, uh, was it Snacks Harrison and Mike Daniels. At least one of them should be back. So I, I just think Detroit needs to win this game. And I know that uh, Oakland's finally home and they, they'll probably have a good crowd there, excited to see football. But I just, I'm not feeling them this week at all, even though I haven't really felt them all year and they've surprised me a few times. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Lions this week. Sounds good. Uh, the 1977 Expansion Bowl. Oh, is being replayed this week. That'll be in Seattle as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I guess it's a 76 expansion bowl. Excuse me. The two teams that came in the same year, though, were Tampa Bay and Seattle. Tampa Bay drafted one that year. They took Leroy Selman out of the University of Oklahoma. And here's a trivia question for you. Who did Seattle take as a second overall pick? I don't know, but it's funny. If, if you would have said Leroy Selman... Uh, if you would have asked me where he played, I actually would have known he played for the Sooners. Nice. Because, well, because Jim Ross is such a big fan. And I've often, you know, read Jim right. Ross's stuff. And uh, whenever he's been asked, who is the best college football player you've ever seen live? He always says Leroy Selman was the best player he ever saw. And you know what? I don't disagree with that until just recently with this Chase Young kid from Oklahoma, from Ohio State. But oh, wow, back great. in the day, Leroy Selman was the best interior lineman that i had ever seen play at the collegiate level so he why was didn't dominating he, why didn't he do better or did he do okay at the he NFL? did very well at the nfl oh, level yeah, okay. he just had no help he was unfortunately part of an own 16 team back yeah, in that the, first year first year yeah. under coach mckay and those uniforms and everything else and and uh this was just not a good football team i mean they they lost their first 26 games wow they didn't win until week 11 of the second year of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it certainly wasn't because of Leroy Selman. And his brother Dewey was on that team too. They both played D-tackle at University of Oklahoma. Um, a lot of things going oh, sorry, on in sorry, this or Sorry, you asked me a, a trivia question. Yeah. Seattle there. Uh, is it so it's someone I've heard of? No. Oh, it's probably not. Okay. No. Uh, this guy, I don't, I don't I even know his again. name, but I, knew, I do remember that he was an uh, offensive lineman from Notre Dame. That's what I remember. Oh, you don't remember his name? I don't remember his name. No, again, that's a little... Well, I wasn't even born in 76, so... Yeah. Uh, but oh, I'll, I was. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up for you. Yeah, I'll go um, on this game, though, real quick. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, I think they've regressed this year in the first year under Bruce Arians. Uh, I do not believe that Jameis Winston will be the quarterback long-term in Tampa Bay. There's just not enough redeeming qualities right now in his game to make a big contract commitment to Jameis Winston. I really, and I think that's the same thing involving Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. Those two first round draft picks, first and second overall picks a couple years ago, have both come up kind of crappy in, for their respective football teams. Um, Seattle is coming off a loss. Uh, I have the Seahawks in this one, who are favored by four and a half. I have the Seahawks both ways. Uh, this is my upset of the week. I got the Bucks both ways. Good for you. Yeah, and I, uh, I just... There's going to be some separation this week between Chris and I, I because so. we have uh, really changed. This has been about as much difference than you and I have had in the last couple of weeks. I'm happy to see that. That's good. Uh, I just think Seattle, in Seattle, coming off a loss. And remember this. I think Seattle will be looking a little bit on their schedule for next week. The next Next week... The next two weeks for the San Francisco 49ers, we're really going to find out how good they are. Next week, they've got Seattle in Seattle, and then the following week, 
Green Bay comes to Santa Clara, California. Oh, okay. oh, so that's I'm good. looking forward to that. All right. Well, for the Bucks, I feel like Jameis does terribly when you expect he's going to do well and then just the opposite. So I think everyone thinks he's going to suck this week. Yeah. And so he'll be okay this week, I bet. And uh, Seattle, you know, they got Josh Gordon. I think they might, if he's on the field, they're going to try and force it to him maybe too much. Um, Pete Carroll has already said, sorry to interrupt, but Pete Carroll has already said that Josh Gordon will not play this week. Okay, well, that's the right decision. They got to get him acclimated there and everything. But uh, the Seahawks, who traditionally are thought of as a team that has a great home field advantage, like they did with the Legion of Boom, they've actually played much better on the road this year than they have at home. At home, they've been, they beat the Bengals by one point, and they beat the Rams by one point because of a missed field goal, and they got destroyed by the Saints, and like... What was the other game they really squeaked out? They that team uh, could easily be oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean they're like they. I think their first three wins were by a combined four points, yeah. right? So I mean they're they're due for some negative regression, and they have not played well at home. They've been more of a road team than a home team, which is the opposite of how people think of them, I believe. But I I think the Tampa is going to go in there and do really well. I really do. You know, I could see this being a game that really surprises people, and that's going to be my upset of the week. That sounds good. Uh, Seattle's bye is actually week 11. I remember that because the Packers' bye is week 11. Those are the two teams that I remember are part of four teams that get week 11 off. Let's go to two disappointing teams that, um, you know, really, they have been. Cleveland and Denver. Let's, let's, Let's be honest. It's been disappointing for both teams. A lot of people got caught up in all the the noise and all the hoopla of the restructured and recommitted Cleveland Browns this year, but the way they're playing, they should all be committed. Um, I truly believe, and I'm going to ask, this is a little, a little, uh, what do you used to call that in the radio business? God, I should know this. A little bit of a, a tease in regard to what we're going to talk about. But one of the coaches in this game, I believe, and both of them are probably going to be, uh, potentially this could happen to them, but I believe one of the coaches in this game, and I'm going to save it until we get into our regular episodes this week, but I'm going to ask Chris the question, and then obviously when I ask Chris these questions, I pose them to you out there as well, out there in unscripted land, but which coach or general manager of the big four in pro sports is going to get fired next? Now, you can pretty much eliminate baseball because obviously we just finished the baseball season, but I'm pretty much talking about football, basketball, and and uh, hockey which of the big three out of the four of the big four sports which is the next coach or general manager that's going to get fired and i'm just going to tease this i believe one of the coaches in this game will be fired at season's end i will say he'll be in orange how's that (laughs) both teams have orange in their jerseys folks wake up um Cleveland at Denver, um, a lot of lot of stuff going on with Baker Mayfield. Uh, OBJ felt that he had to defend his quarterback this week. Um, I just there's a lot of problems. Vic Fangio still to me looks clueless out there as the coach of the the first time head coach of the Denver Broncos. And remember, I'm really disappointed in John Elway as an administrator, as a talent evaluator. He's even not even good at picking coaches. Vance Joseph was a joke. Vic Fangio is looking just about as bad as a joke. You bring in Joe Flacco. That immovable object is now on IR. I think his Broncos career is over. I mean, there's just a lot of problems. And Denver, again, is one of those marquee franchises in the NFL, and they are playing nowhere near the expectations of what we're used to seeing from a team 
that wears the Bronco on the side of their helmet. Having said all that, Cleveland comes in, and again, who would have thought of this? The Cleveland Browns come in to Denver as four-point favorites? Last time that would have happened, and my guess would have been about the 87 AFC Championship game that, of course, Cleveland pissed away by fumbling at the three-yard line. So in this game, because Denver sucks and Cleveland is underachieving, I'm taking the Cleveland Browns to win the game straight up. But for some reason, and I think partially this is because Joe Flacco isn't under center this week for the Denver Broncos, I have the Broncos against the spread. Well, the only thing crazier than that is taking the Broncos both ways, which is exactly what I'm going to do. And uh, fuck Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen will be at least as good as him, if not better. And it, that's not even the reason, though. If I look at this, Denver has underperformed. They uh, they were a couple bad calls away from a couple more wins than they have now, yep. especially that ridiculous Chicago game that Denver absolutely won, as far no as question. I'm concerned. Right. But uh, there's a couple factors here. Number one, uh, if you're going to have Nick Chubb and the running game be what you rely on, well, I seem to remember a few weeks ago the Titans doing this, trying to do the same thing uh, in Denver at altitude and being shut out. And now, and then if you if you think that Baker Mayfield is your answer, I think he's going to make mistakes. He's going to be at altitude. He's going to try to throw the ball somewhere in the same hemisphere as Chris Harris, which will not go well for him. And I just think they're going to keep making mistakes. They're going to keep imploding. Mayfield this week was being interviewed and storming out of you know, interviews and being all snappy with reporters and everything. And it's just, it's not good. They're completely imploding. They have completely collapsed under the weight of their expectations. You might've seen, I posted our last episode last night and it was called the great Brown hype. And it has uh, been more like the great Brown wipe. I think (laughs) maybe is maybe what the Browns have been more like this year. (laughs) That's funny. And so I literally made that up as I was saying the sentence, by the way. That was nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Uh, But I just, I don't believe in the Browns at all. I do not believe in them whatsoever. I don't believe in their coaching. I don't believe in their quarterback. I don't believe in anything about them. They're overrated. Where the hell has Beckham been? Well, he's not going to have his coming up party this week with Harris covering him. I don't know what the hell is going on here, but I'm going to take the Broncos both ways. Sounds good. Um, Then this next game is, (laughs) this is going to be a home game for the Green Bay Packers 3,000 miles west. Mm Mm-hmm. The Packers actually, usually the Packers leave Green Bay the day before and travel the day before going to wherever they're going to be playing on Sunday. This week they left actually on Friday afternoon to try to acclimate themselves to the weather in Los Angeles. It's been in the 20s in Green Bay and snowing. It's supposed to be about 82 degrees degrees at kickoff on Sunday in Los Angeles. So the Packers left a day early to try to get themselves as acclimated as they can in a short time period to the heat of Los Angeles. The good thing about this is, as I just mentioned, in that bandbox of the soccer pitch they play in the in the ghetto in California, in Los Angeles, in Carson, at least the Packers will have home field advantage. There will be more Packer fans there than Chargers fans, I guarantee you. The Packers have been playing better. We all know that. The Packers have only two guys that had injury designations assigned to them this week, and they're both questionable. One of them is Devontae Adams. And talking to a source of mine in Green Bay, who happens to be my brother last night on my 55th birthday, my brother believes, and they've made enough noise in Green Bay, that they believe that Devontae Adams is going to play for Green Bay, at least in a limited role, but at least he's going to see the field on Sunday in Los Angeles. Um, Problem. 
The Packers' defensive ta- or excuse me, offensive tackles, who are two of the best, Bakhtiari on the left side, Balaga on the right side, they have to face those two animals called Joey Bosa and Marvin or Melvin Ingram. But the good part about that is, if you're a Packers fan like me, the two defensive tackles, and I don't know their names right off the top of my head, but the two defensive tackles for the L.A. Chargers are not going to play. They're injured. So that will help a little bit, a little bit. But L.A.'s got some problems, folks, obviously. It's ironic that the Chicago Bears beat them last week because, again, a Chicago kicker can't kick a goddamn field goal, but didn't bother me anytime the Bears lose. I still think Phillip Rivers, I have great passion for Phillip Rivers because here's a guy that all he does is produce, 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 but yet get screwed over, screwed over, screwed over. And this is a guy that is going to be like Dan Marino in a lot of people's minds. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's going to go into the Hall of Fame without a ring. It's just running out of time. There's a lot of problems in L.A. They can't figure out. Melvin Gordon has not come back the way they thought he was going to come back. Their best running back is Austin uh, Eckler. Thank you, sir. That's their best running back. That's their best option. Um, I just think Green Bay's on a good roll. Green Bay is looking for a sweep of the AFC West this year. They have San Francisco next week in in California. So you'd rather go into San Francisco at 8-1 and one than 7-2. and two. And I think because the Packers will have home field advantage, they'll be playing in front of a lot of their home, basically home-standing fans. The Packers come in as 3.5-point favorites, and I'm taking the GBP uh, to win both ways. Yeah, my Super Bowl pick, the Green Bay Packers, both ways for sure. There's no way Aaron Rodgers is going to let himself be upstaged by Phillip Rivers in this game. 80% Packer fans in the stands, no exaggeration. The Packers, people seem to forget they're 7-1. and one. Hey, they're just rolling along. They're undefeated every day of the week except Thursdays, and they're, <laughs> and they're, uh, they're doing great. And yes, I fully expect Devontae Adams to be back this week, finally. I got him on most of my fantasy teams, so that's been very disappointing having, having him out for a month. Uh, yeah, Robert Tanyan, the tight end. Tanyan, which he's the only guy that's probably going to miss the game. Heck of an injury report for the Packers. They got to be very pleased with that. So look, I, I just, I, I think that might be that, or else our, uh, or else the Sunday nighter might be the easiest pick of the week for me. Yeah, and you know what? I, I got to say something here about Matt Lafleur. He took some criticism in training camp about resting veterans and giving Balaga every Wednesday off, and and giving guys like Tremont Williams days off for veterans rest and giving Mercedes Lewis time off for veterans rest. Well, my God, how many people can sit there at the halfway point or pass now past the halfway point of the season and say everybody on your 53-man roster practiced on Friday? That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That is pretty good. So Matt LaFleur, again, doing a nice job in his first year in Green Bay. Um, and again, who would have thought I mean, let's be realistic, folks, here. We can sit here and tell ourselves and blow smoke up our dresses that we knew that the Packers were going to be like this. But remember, folks, the Packers were 6-9-1 last year. They fired their 13-year head football coach in Mike McCarthy. And as much as you despise McCarthy, and I did at the end, I was not a fan of McCarthy, he did some good things. To last anywhere in a job 13 years, and you've done... And and McCarthy won 71% of his games in Green Bay. So he did some good things. But this young man is doing a hell of a job in Green Bay, working with a veteran quarterback who's a Mensa on the side. 
And to be 7-1, and one, there is not anybody out there in green and gold that would have predicted at the halfway point of the season that the Green Bay Packers were 7-up seven, seven and 1-down. And the job that Matt LaFleur has done in all areas of his job has been impressive for the Green Bay Packers. Um, let's go to the Sunday night game. This is my upset of the week. Hint, hint, wink, wink. No. Yes. Wow. And part of this is my upset of the week because, A, I'm tired of the New England Patriots winning all the time. And because of their lack of a strength of schedule, this is really only one of a few games that they have that they will even have to show up. Uh, they've got later on in the year, a couple of weeks, they got Philly, I think. And then later on in the year, they've got Kansas City again. But realistically, for a team that is coming off their sixth Super Bowl championship, the schedule that the New England Patriots have played this year is high schoolish. It has been a joke. It has been a travesty to the National Football League. And the reason I'm picking the Baltimore Ravens this week is because, A, I can't stand the New England Patriots anymore. I have respect for Brady, Belichick, and Mr. Kraft, but enough is enough. There's got to be an L here pretty soon. And if there's a snowball's chance anywhere of it happening, it's got to be in Baltimore with that defense. I mean, Buffalo almost pulled it off a couple of weeks ago, and Buffalo's defense is better than Baltimore's. But I don't know. This is a gut feel. There's no rhyme or reason for this pick. All I'm saying is I'm tired of New England winning all the time. New England comes in as three-point favorites. I'm taking the homestanding Ravens both ways as my upset of the week. Wow. No, I'm taking the Patriots both ways here for sure. For the third week in a row, Bill Belichick gets the luxury of facing a top first-round draft pick uh, from the 2018 draft in the quarterback on the opposing team. And for the third week in a row, he will confuse the living shit out of them with complex schemes. And, you know, if he was able to do that with the last two guys, he can sure as hell do that with Lamar Jackson. For sure. He's not only going to confuse him mentally, uh, he doesn't have much to throw to anyway. Hollywood Brown might not even play. And then you've got Stephon Gilmore playing as well as any corner in the league who's going to have a complete mismatch against some poor receiver. I don't even know. Who's he going to cover? Miles Boykin? Like, I don't even know. It'll be a joke whoever he covers. And so I, th- I think Belichick will have all sorts of things planned. He'll probably have a spy on the quarterback. He's <laughs> he's gonna like he's gonna do so much. He's gonna he, he's obviously gonna focus on erasing uh, 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 Lamar Jackson's ability to run, mm-hmm. uh, as well as just confuse him if he does try to throw. And I think he's gonna completely shut down any semblance of a passing offense or a quarterback rushing component of the offense. And after that, it's just, it's Brady against an overrated defense, frankly. And I just, you know, this isn't even that far from Boston. I think there'll be lots of Patriots fans who mm-hmm. might make the trip. So uh, I, I I understand some people are excited about the Ravens. Even I saw some sharps betting on the Ravens plus three or whatever. Uh, I just, I can't get there. I really think, and I, I agree with the schedule 100%. There, it should not be possible for a Super Bowl champion to have a schedule this easy. It's a complete joke, but be that as it may, I don't think that the Ravens are in the Patriots League whatsoever. Belichick is going to have a field day with Lamar Jackson. I don't know if there's anyone that he would rather face right now than Lamar Jackson. Wrapping up week number nine in the NFL will be Monday night at the uh, MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. The Dallas Cowboys against the New York Giants. Uh, These two teams played in week two. That was part of when everybody thought Dallas was going to be already be crowned champions when they won their first three games against Larry Moe and Curley. Of course, the Giants at that time were Larry. Um, 
little bit of difference. Obviously, this one is in New York or New Jersey, technically. Uh, Dallas was in New Jersey a couple weeks ago and got their lunch served to them by the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I don't know why. Half of me wants to pick the Giants both ways, but I'm still not sold on Daniel Jones. Um, Saquon Barkley can't take all of the offensive heat. I know some of their receivers are coming back, and that's certainly going to help. Dallas comes in as 7.5-point favorites. I think that's a large number, but I think the Cowboys have to redeem themselves in this stadium. I have the Cowboys winning straight up, but I'm taking the G-men against the spread. Well, I'm definitely taking the Giants plus the spread. Uh, That's not even a question, but boy, this is a tough one. I don't think I'm going to quite pull the trigger, although we still do reserve the right to uh, change before kickoff. So as of right now, I'm going to say Cowboys straight up, but I'm going to think about it a bit more, and I'm not sure if I want to do that. But no question, Giants plus seven. Seven you got, right? I got seven and a hook. Seven and a hook. Oh, that's even better. Oh, definitely. I like them then for sure. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot lot to like here. I'll be interested to see how Leonard Williams uh, plays there. I don't get that trade at all for the Jets. And uh, I just, I think that's exactly what they need. And that should be a real boon. And I've always thought that was interesting. If you're a a professional athlete and you get traded and you don't even have to move, you literally get traded to a team in the same city. I, I just think that's really interesting. So yeah. First time... I think I heard this this week. First time that there's ever been a trade between the Jets and the Giants. Um, Oh, by the way. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I just did some research here. So I know this is a longer episode, but who gives a shit? Yeah. So uh, I looked up the top five picks in the 1976 NFL draft, and I thought it was interesting. So yeah, Leroy Selman is a Hall of Famer. All right. Let me guess. The second guy is a guy by the name of Nichols from Notre Dame. Uh, No. No. Okay. Uh, he is from Notre Dame. You just got his name slightly wrong. Oh, okay. So he was a defensive tackle. He's the only guy in the top five who is not at Pro Bowler or a Hall of Famer. Oh, really? Yeah. So number two was uh, Steve Niehaus. That's is, it. I know. You, you were thinking of the right guy. It was close. thinking of the right guy. A defensive tackle from Notre Dame. Uh, okay. So, but I'll give you just a hint of uh, as everything about them, and you tell me who it is. So uh, at the number three pick by the New Orleans Saints, a running back out of California. Chuck Muncie. Chuck Muncie, yes, uh, Pro Bowler, yes. Correct. Yes. Okay, and then at number Big four. Big druggie, too. Oh, was he? Okay. Well, got suspended well, for the league. It's yeah. the 70s, whatever. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, okay, and then at number four, the San Diego Chargers take Pro Bowl running back out of Oklahoma. Joe Washington. Yes, sir. And at number five, the New England Patriots take Hall of Fame cornerback out of Arizona State. Mike Haynes. You got it. Uh, not too bad for a 55-year-old guy that can get into the movies for half price now. Well, they say, you know, the, the long-term memory is still fine <laughs> at your age, so. <laughs> oh, we got to run on this 416th episode of Unscripted. I wanted to thank Chris for taking me to lunch today. It was very nice. Uh, I had a nice birthday yesterday. Thanks to my wife, Judy, and the two kids, Olivia and Jenna. Appreciate your gifts. Uh, thanks to everybody for that. Um, having said all that again, we've got to run. We've got some episodes to get to this week here on Unscripted and looking forward to that as well. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.